By 12 years of age, according to the pre-persons, you should be able to do algebra, and that's when your soul entered your body and you were a real person. Before that, a euthanasia van could come and pick you up and take you to the pound and you could be disposed of. And you say, well, that's, that seems silly. What's the point? What's he trying to get across? Well, what he's trying to get across is that when you don't associate personhood with a human being, you set the bar where you want to set the bar. Do you see? It becomes arbitrary. We know that from conception, and by the way, the evidence is in, okay? This, whether they're believers, non-believers, or whatever, the scientific evidence is in. A human being is a human being from conception. The question is, are they a person from conception, or are they a thing? That's the thing. Do you differentiate between personhood and humanity? When we speak of human rights, should we really think, speak of person rights? Because a person is not necessarily coextensive with a human. Do you see? You see the thinking? Now, of course, um, if you want to um, reconsider that, then uh, please get last week's sermon. And I, but I would recommend getting the and listening all over to the series, because I've joined these together. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. Would you want her to be aborted? And as we look today at end of life, how would you like to be treated? This is the Christian view, not the world's view. Now, I did omit to say something last week which is very important and I want to apologise for that and that is that if there are people here that have had an abortion in the past that doesn't mean you have committed the unforgivable sin your thoughts about it now as Christians different than your thoughts about it before I'm sure there has been repentance. I'm sure there has been regret and confession. If there have been those things, then you have been forgiven. That has been washed in the blood of Christ. And this is not something that you need to feel guilty about anymore. Any more than any other sin that you have committed. We can't go sloughing around our guilt in this life. It will cripple us. It will stop us being what God wants us to be. And, moreover, it denies what Jesus has done. Our baptism signifies something. It signifies that the old person has died with Christ and is no more. We are now new creatures in Christ. We're not what we were. And therefore that new creature, that son, that daughter of God, 
has been accepted by God and is accepted in the Beloved. And it's in that light, that truth, that we move on. And it's the same thing, by the way, in this issue about end of life. Perhaps there are people here who have had very difficult decisions to make about loved ones on respirators and whatever. Please don't think that anything I'm going to say here, which is biblical and which is right, is a condemnation of that difficult decision. I'm presenting you with maybe truth that you didn't know. You had a decision to make. You made the best decision that you could. Perhaps you may have to confess it as sin. But God is there ready and willing to forgive you that sin. Now on to our issue. First of all, why is all this important? Why even talk about this? I mean, you know, if I want to... By the way, it's great and I'm I'm blessed to see visitors here and I, I hope that you'll come back and won't be put off by this. But at least you know you're in a church that addresses this, these issues. But why is this important? It's important because you may have family members who have imbibed the world's ideas about abortion or about end-of-life treatment of euthanasia. Maybe you've got co-workers. Maybe you yourself are not clear on these issues. And so you need to have the biblical perspective taught to you. That's my job. That's Steve's job, is it not? You see, when it comes to end-of-life treatment, euthanasia, assisted suicide, whatever you want to call these things, and they have slightly different definitions, as I will go into, what is really important is that we understand that this has been a kind of non-issue for all but Christians. When it comes to... uh, A child, even a a child, uh, not a child in the womb, but a child as as a newborn. That wasn't an issue for many Romans or Greeks. If the child was a female, for example, the child had a good chance of being thrown on a rubbish heap. Or maybe handicapped, again, disposed of. This has been the case. It's the case in China today. This has been the case in all systems that have had a non-Christian worldview. But when you have a Christian worldview and you believe that these are made in the image and likeness of God, like our text says, it becomes a very different question, doesn't it? You don't throw the image of God on a rubbish heap.
And you do not make simple determinations based on what you think is a value of life, as if you were God. So what is the difference between assisted suicide and euthanasia? What is euthanasia? It's come from the Greek. It means good death. Good death. And like so many things that the world uh, labels, it's a lie. It's a euphemism. Euthanasia is where the doctor or maybe some licensed practitioner, as in Holland, ends life through an injection or whatever. They themselves end life. Assisted suicide is where you assist a person who wants to die. They actually are the ones that uh, uh, apply the the uh, poison or the medication or whatever. But you are the one who supplies it. Do you see? That's assisted suicide. They basically are the same thing when it comes to a Christian worldview. You see, there is a, another idea which is fully biblical and fully right, and that has to do with what's called palliative care, or sometimes assisted dying. It's not assisted suicide. You're not killing them. You're helping them to die in the best painless way possible. And there is palliative care. Now that is a Christian Option, and I would say a Christian duty. Because as the image of God, we want to help people pass from this life to the next life and in the most painless way possible. But we do not want to do it by giving to ourselves the power of determination of when we're going to end a person's life. That would be assisted suicide or euthanasia. Now I do know there are situations, of course, where the hospital, because of cost cutting and so on, that they will not prescribe the drugs to keep a person who is dying and maybe in terrible pain from feeling that pain. I understand I cannot address that situation today. But remember that I preached a sermon this is not to address the question directly but I did preach a sermon about using people as ends in themselves not means to an end Okay. sometimes you are confronted by a situation where you cannot treat a person as an end in themselves which is what you ideally should but you are confronted by by means to an end. For example, when Nazis are knocking on a door and they want the, the Jews that you are uh, holding there and protecting, and they ask you if you are housing any Jewish people, and uh, you may have to lie 
in order to preserve life. If you don't lie, then you are siding with the means to an end of the wicked Nazis. Do you see? You have to have a choice. I mean, you make one choice or another choice. They will have their way and you have taken their side. Did you want to? No. But you're confronted in this fallen world with these kinds of situations. Do you see? Or you decide that you are not going to take the side of the wicked people so that they can use the Jews as a means to their ends. Rather, you are going to take the side of the Jews, the persecuted, the made in the image of God, and you are going to, in telling an untruth, you are going to actually assist the truth. The bigger truth. So that the um, Egyptian, sorry, the uh, midwives, remember in the book of Exodus, protected the children by lying. They understood the ethic. Now they shouldn't have been put in that position, should they? But sometimes life puts us in those positions. Now, having said that, and I'm sorry for the... uh, I've kind of got into a little bit the first point. Let us actually get to this issue. You know, there was a survey done in the United Kingdom. Uh, I'm sure that there are similar surveys have been done in America as well. About doctors and euthanasia. Uh, Do you believe in euthanasia? Do you believe that you should be allowed to euthanize, that is kill, a person who uh, maybe they're in a persistent vegetative state or whatever, should you, should you be the one who administers the killing dose? 40% said that they should, but many of them said they wouldn't. When they were asked another question about, well, really, are you the one that should apply the killing dose, or would you rather somebody else did it? Only around about 20% said they would be willing to do it. Like there was an ethical, there was a moral issue there, do you see? Out of all of those doctors, though, that were surveyed, certain doctors were involved in the treatment of dying patients, assisted dying, palliative care. And what is fascinating is that those people that knew the most about the process of dying were the ones who objected most to assisted suicide and euthanasia. Now that is very telling, isn't it? See, the more ignorant you are, the easier it is to make a decision. But maybe that decision is just your stupidity. Now when it's about serious issues like this, it's not a good excuse to be stupid. God doesn't like 
stupidity. The book of Proverbs speaks about that. We need to think about these issues. So, there is a difference between helping someone to die and helping them to die painlessly or as painlessly as possible and actually killing them or assisting them to commit suicide. Both of those things, euthanasia and assisted suicide, are unchristian. Why? Because of our verse. These people are made in the image and likeness of God. God has determined their bounds and the years that they shall live. God is the one who has the right of life or death. So, we certainly should help a person to die well, but we cannot be the ones that kill them. In Holland, you all know about Holland. Holland is the one, the country that introduced all of this euthanasia and assisted suicide and all of these great noble reasons for doing that. Well now, thousands of people, elderly people a year, are euthanized, whether they want to be or not. They have euthanasia vans that go round, offering euthanasia to people, killing them. What about people that uh, are judged to be non-persons? Remember, you put the bar where you want to put the bar? Well, then somebody else decides. Maybe their relative who wants their inheritance or doesn't want to bother helping them anymore because they're an inconvenience, they're a burden. Well, they can simply be euthanized. You see, life means nothing. They're mere machines. It doesn't matter. That's the world's view. It isn't God's view. God made them. Body and soul. They image God. They are worth something as much as you and I are. One writer said that a broken chair is still a chair. A broken person is still a person. You don't make it something that it's not so that you can dispose of it. No, we are made in the image and likeness of God. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We are foreknown by God. All of our years are in his book. Yes, trouble comes in this life and we don't know how we're going to end this life. But we trust ourselves to God and we trust ourselves to his providence. But we must be fully in line with what he says about what a person is and what a person is worth.
We are not machines. Now the second point here, just quickly, is called the slippery slope. And this happens when you bring in arguments to try and get a foot in the door. Now, not just in uh, end-of-life treatment, but in nearly everything in life. You and I know that once a certain idea just gets a look in, it doesn't stop there. Then the, the consequences, the outworking, as it were, of that idea starts to branch out. And more and more insidious things occur. Now think about this. I'm going to give you a little um, bit of data here. In Oregon, 40 to 60, this is two years ago, I think, 40 to 60 percent of requests for assisted suicide in Oregon are because people think they are a burden to family and friends. 40 to 60 percent. They're a burden. From a Christian point of view, that's tragic. That's tragic. None of us want to be a burden on others, do we? But none of us has the right to end our lives that are given by God. In fact, there's, a, there's a, an understanding or misunderstanding here that fuels these, these decisions, and that is that the most valuable thing in life is independence, autonomy. Folks, that is not the biblical view. We're a society. We are to bear one another's burdens. We are to treat one another in the way we want to be treated. It shouldn't be a burden for us to help somebody to uh, end their life, or sorry, to uh, have the last years of their life lived in dignity with our loving support. Not if we're Christians and we understand about the value of human life. Do you not think that God is watching? Do you not think that God will reward us for being faithful? For showing Christ's love and care on God's behalf to those at the latter end of their life? Oh, it's so much easier, I know, not to think like that. It's so much easier to go with the crowd and let the the guy in the lab coat make the decision for you. Or at least listen to his advice. Just turn up, turn, you know, unplug the device, turn it off, whatever. You can't do that, folks. Just because they're a burden doesn't mean that your moral decision or your moral responsibility ends there. In fact, I think that's where it starts. If Jesus has had that idea, none of us would have any hope of heaven or forgiveness because we're all a burden on God. 
There are several places in Amos and Hosea and Isaiah and other places. In fact, in the Gospels, Jesus said, how long shall I be with you? Where God says he's burdened down, he's pressed down like an overladen cart by the the sins and the stupidity of people. But that doesn't mean his grace gives up and his love gives up. You see, his character is deeper than that. He's more than that. And that comes through, that shines through in those times. Jesus didn't give up on his disciples just because they let him down time and time again. And he doesn't give up on you. He accepts you for who you are. He's chosen you for who you are. Think about that. And you're not a machine. Nancy Piercy in her book uh, Love Thy Body says this, when a society accepts a practice, it absorbs the worldview that justifies it. We need to be very careful about listening to the world and listening to the worldview that it puts across. It's got its arguments about abortion, for example. It used to be before we had uh, ultrasound and so on, scientific arguments. They never give scientific arguments anymore. That, because of they, we now know differently. It's now emotional arguments and so on. We don't look at things that way. We want biblical arguments. We want to line up with God. There's no such thing as a pre-person, a person, and a post-person in the biblical worldview. We should be able to say to a person who says, I'm a burden. I'm not, you know, I can't get about the way that I was. I'm just, it's best to end this. We should be able to say to them, it's good that you exist. It's good that you exist. Dependence is not a bad thing. And so, yes, I understand that there are still dilemmas. I understand that there are issues. By the way, one of the issues is not taking a feeding tube out of a person who needs it and saying that food and water is somehow magically turned into medication just because they need to be fed in a different way than we feed ourselves. Otherwise, of course, what would you do with babies? See the slippery slope argument? We all need food and water. So if somebody needs our help to be fed or to have water, then we should be ready to give it. They're not going to live forever. 
But it's not our decision to starve them to death. That one's an easy one, or it should be. When it comes to certain medications and so on, well, it could be we're in a situa- you're in a situation where a medicine is needed, there's only so much of it, and it's needed for somebody else over here. Well, you're faced with this dilemma again, aren't you? You see, in this imperfect world, maybe you have to make a decision based on that. But there is always palliative care. The main idea that I'm trying to get across here, though, is that their life is not yours to decide upon as to whether it is worth living or not. God says right at the beginning of the Bible, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. You think that that's got to do with a fully functioning body? Or even mind? Or brain? You know, there's even studies here on uh, near-death experiences which should cause people to pause. There are people who flatlined completely. Many people on the operating table or on a hospital bed, they're looking down on their bodies. I've known people like that. Looking down on their own bodies. Listening to the conversations. The mind is not the body. Uh, Sorry, the mind is not the, the brain. But what's interesting here is that we don't have to make a decision based on what our hospitals can and can't or not willing to do, what society or a particular state or a particular ethicist says, or your college teacher. Rather, we can make a decision based on what God said. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. The image and likeness of God is just as much in the baby and the baby in the womb as it is in you and as it is in a person who needs a respirator or a ventilator. doesn't take care of every single moral dilemma, I understand, but it sure takes, uh, it takes care of a great many of them. And that's my point here. We're all made in God's image. We are all persons and we need to treat people and understand that. From that perspective, when it comes to abortion or euthanasia. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
we thank you, Lord, that you knew about us before we came into the world. We're thankful that we're in your image and likeness. We thank you that as Christians, we have had a new mind, a new outlook, new perspectives. And in the value they're given, uh, in the Bible they're given to us. Help us to think in a biblical way about these issues. Let us not be swayed by the world and its pragmatism. Let us instead talk about the intrinsic worth of human beings as persons. We know, Lord, that we're going to have to, some of us, ask for wisdom before making tough decisions about loved ones. But Lord, there are some decisions that we know are out of bounds. They are not ours to make, even though they may be recommended to us. And we pray, Father, that at the time that that may come, that you will give us wisdom and insight and the right people to advise us and that there will always be available the right palliative care for our loved ones. In Jesus' name, amen.